This is Culture A Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is a show where we'll deep dive on the good and the bad with Middle East HR and talent experts on their challenges, strategies, and success stories to inspire your own journey. Listen in and get ready to unlock potential and drive results with Culture A. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Culture A. Today's guest is Ryan Parker. Ryan, welcome to Culture A. Thank you so <laughs> Let me give your introduction. Hold on. Okay. So Ryan is a very seasoned talent acquisition leader. He's been based in the UAE for nine, 10 years, 10 nine years, years now, yeah. nine years, and is uh, known for his strategic mindset and compassionate, sorry, approach to the challenges of the corporate world. I worked with Ryan very closely for about six years, especially during the very critical integration phase of a company acquisition in the UAE. And I witnessed firsthand his dedication and his resilience. I know what he's made of. I know how he thinks. And I think that his perspective is is going to, to kind of shed light on quite a lot with our listeners today. We are talking about something that is very close to his heart, and that is mental health. So Ryan not only champions mental well-being in the workplace, but he also very bravely confronts his own personal struggles with it. And his insights are bound to resonate with a lot of professionals who are navigating similar paths. So Ryan, thank you again. Thank you for having me, Sarah. <laughs> Always a pleasure. I'm excited to have you on. I haven't seen you in a while, so it's nice. Yeah, it's lovely. Good yeah. to see you. Yeah. Sarah's great, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> She's the best. <laughs> thank you. She's not paid me to say that. Uh, no, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna specifically post that. So thank okay. you, thank you very That'll much. That'll be the the, <laughs> the headline. <laughs> yes. Okay, <clears throat> let's jump into today's discussion. Okay, so obviously I know you very well, but my listeners do not. So do you mm. want to maybe just tell them briefly a bit about your background? How long have you been? Well, we told them that you've been in the UAE for about nine years already, but maybe just how you've navigated your career so far and where you are today. Yeah, so I'm originally from Manchester in the UK. So I moved out here January 2015, so coming up to nine years next month. So I started, my journey in HR and recruitment is a bit of a kind of just fell into it. You know, like I think a lot of people, particularly I think when I graduated in 2011, you know, we're just on the back of a financial crisis you know what and I, I had no idea what I wanted to go into so I just kind of fell into agency recruitment in the oil and gas sector under one of the Adeco brands did that for three and a half years before moving out here never visited the UAE before moving out here crazy um, crazy <laughs> kind of I you know something I wouldn't do now necessarily but you know at the time I think it, I, I was a bit, bit you know wouldn't mind a gamble spear of the moment kind of thing I think within four weeks of interviewing I was out here again in the oil and gas industry moved out at a time when the oil and gas industry plummeted so between accepting the offer and moving out I think the price of oil had gone from about $120 to 30 oh wow so from a career point of view wasn't a great move <clears throat> in terms of a successful career and it, it in industry that wasn't very keen on anyway let's be honest oil and gas is not exactly the, f the future of, of things and mm. very kind of stagnant so I, I was very clear wanted to change industry go into something different and that's when I ended up moving to Kareem in early no mid 2016 mm. there just over a year before moving to Amazon so I kind of was involved in the setup of the TA team in Kareem and then moved to Amazon like so when uh, the acquisition took place and then I've made a move to AWS within within 
within Amazon as well about, about three, just over three years ago. So I look after recruitment for data centers in AWS across Bahrain, UAE, now UK as well, do some other things across and also get involved in ID&E kind of activities, mm. you know, whether it be around gender, people with disabilities is one that I'm particularly in this region is one that I like to get involved in. Mm-hmm. Mental health is, is a big one, which is something I've kind of been involved in in the UAE at least from kind of working with some of the local authorities and, and training hubs and stuff to try and give a perspective from a company like you know like Amazon which is I think helpful because they do some you know globally in, in certain countries they do some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that you were involved in that so that's cool. Yeah no it's something so I think this country on the mental health piece there's still a mix of perception right I think there's a perception yeah. of we don't have those issues here from and, and, and that comes from a lack of understanding and it's not, you know, it's not unique to the UAE, you know, it's, you know, my experience of mental health and mental health system in the UK, not my you know, first-hand experience, but through friends who've been in that system, it doesn't work. You know, it's a really, you know, the treatment of mental health and the kind of approach on mental health in, you know, a country that would be probably, most would assume would be further along in that journey. Mm. It's not good at all. It's, oh, well. it's pretty, pretty horrific, to be honest. Mm. And so, you know, here there is still that kind of mix of, of perception but also there is that intent particularly from I think the generation coming through now of talking about it of pushing it forward of making it more understandable uh, I think yeah but, <clears throat> but also being aware of it so you know one of the pieces of, of work I one of the things I did recently and there's, there's a talent hub in Abu Dhabi called Mawahib who did a little bit of work with and they help Emirati job seekers in, into the market one of the things we've discussed with them and, and I was part of they, they did some training with their like careers counsellors on how to approach the topics of people with disabilities but also you know mental health and and Mm. cognitive kind of disabilities and things like that and and also how to have those conversations with employers so I was kind of came on that as a voice of the employer in some ways but also someone who's just you know got a you know can tell about how you know I've my experiences and these things so so it's good to see that 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 conversation is moving forward Mm. in in a region progressing yeah you know I think I I, I don't know if it's statutory now but a lot of companies like ours for example I remember our coverage for mental health in the medical went up. I think by about four hundred percent in terms of what oh, wow. you know, what you can claim back from everything towards treatment, medication, and, and things like that. So it's definitely those things have improved, but there's still some taboos around it. And you know, I think there always will be. Yeah. Um, but, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna pause you because I yeah. think I know where you're gonna go. And actually, I want to cover it in. Okay. In I'm gonna cover it in, in the next couple of questions. But <clears throat> we are talking about um, mental health today, obviously. And and I, as I mentioned earlier, you and I. Have have worked in a very high pressure environment, competing yeah. priorities and urgencies. And it's just sometimes feels like a lot is being thrown at you. Okay. Yeah. And you kind of have to sink or swim or figure it out. Okay. Like, how do you manage stress and maintain your well being? Because they're so conflicting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, I think it's, for me anyway, there's no solution or silver bullet that's like, now you're okay. Yeah. You know, now's everything's fine. I think yeah. by nature, I mean, for me as a starting point, it was understanding how my brain works to understand how to manage it, right? So I was 
diagnosed with ADHD, which, which is one thing which can impact your mental health because you put a lot of prep, like, you know, I would leave things to the last minute. I would, you mm. know, talk over people. I would, you know, there's a, certain characteristics of, of, of ADHD that once you actually get into talking about it and things, you go, oh, right, okay, yeah, that's me. Oh, that makes sense. That's why, mm. you know, it, it's not an excuse, but it's kind of like a, an understanding of it. So I used to put a lot of pressure on myself for that and kind of, you know, think. To oh, try and you know, for that, like to control it, you mean? To kind of almost like thinking, oh, I should do better, you know, oh, and that okay. you put putting pressure on yourself. Yeah. for something that is a, a condition or you know is something that everyone's man, mind and brain works differently you know it's not everyone is the same right so mm. i think that is a starting point is un to understand how my brain works understand as well the things that you bring every everyone brings things forward from how they were raised you know i had a really good childhood you know nothing's but my you know i'd say my parents particularly my father i'd say he's quite a stressful guy like in terms mm. of gets frustrated at things very quickly and i can at times and, and used to even more which then again in the workplace mm. if you're getting frustrated all the time you're not productive you're not you, you know and I think from a, a career progression point of view I know I definitely suffered my career pressure progression not being as quickly as as it would have been if I could learn to just you know do that stoic thing of taking a step back and just mm. letting it sit letting it lie and it's then so much back. easier said than done oh it's very and, and you know I'm I think by nature particularly I think and this is in work and also just in in the world right if I see something that I think is either just you know on a in, inappropriate from a could say a moral point of view from just being a, a good person i think i struggle not to comment or <laughs> struggle not mm. to get involved and that's not you know it's not a good thing you know it's one of the reasons why i removed myself from social media because i realized for me social media just doesn't work you know it, it's it doesn't it's not a there's no positive from it there's, it's a mm. net a net negative so don't have it in my life so that's what why 18 months ago so i completely removed myself from that so i think in the work environment i think I'm very careful with trying not to be reactive on things. So taking that step back, mm. trying not to take things personally. Don't add context to what people say sometimes because I've definitely fallen down the, the rabbit hole there in the past of thinking, oh, this person's do, said this or done this to, and, and with a certain meaning and they don't. Mm. And I think that happens in general <laughs> life, right? I think that's a, I was watching something this morning, actually, without going into kind of detail, but it was about a, a particular saying, right? And how it's perceived one way by the people hearing it against the people saying it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, who's right in that situation? You know, if you're feeling a certain way, you're okay. You're, you're okay to, if something makes you feel a certain way. But if you're also adding meaning to to it that isn't there, then that is yeah. not a, that's not fair on, on the person, and then that causes conflict, and then causes mental health damage from you know from my ex experience anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm very careful with kind of what I get involved in. I, I'm very careful about working hours. If I'm feeling, and this is my manager's great for this because she's she said this to me in the past, and I know that she does this. If you know, sometimes some days where you just you're not feeling it, you know, or it's just not, you mm. know, and, or, you know, you might need half an hour, you might need a couple of hours to go off and do something and not distract, you might but sometimes to kind of reset it. Yeah. Because you can easily get into it, particularly people with ADHD, because ADHD, kind of your, your attention spans a bit less, you know, you kind of start losing motivation on things quite quickly, or at least I do. Mm. So if I don't have that deliberate 
break to go and do something else you know go and you know i'm this morning for example i've got a playlist that i listen to when i run which is a bit you know mix of up-tempo thing bit of heavy metal and all this stuff <laughs> heavy metal yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, i'm into you know, a bit slipknot and stuff like that okay you know in the right context but that for me is a bit of a, a mind break mm. and and it works for me to kind of almost change my mood a little bit regenerate so i think it's finding the things that work for you yeah and also being aware that other people operate differently and i think in the corporate world and the example i always think about is elon musk right you know how many times you hear him mention about oh i know people should be in the office this many i'm in the office this many hours i do this Mm. i do that and expecting the same of everyone else i mean first of all they don't own a company so you shouldn't expect people to want to work 20 hours a day for just their salary you know they're not billionaires like you so (laughs) but also people might don't have the same level of, of, of enjoyment from that or, or are able to cope with that and i think people the perception he gives across is almost like that's a weakness mm. when actually it's just people operate differently and i think but, understanding that is important but can i tell you because okay so there's so many things i want to ask we as i said before you and i met when we were both working for the same company when they were going through a really critical phase and with that there was so much work that we ended up doing like just it we threw ourselves into it and i remember very long days. I was mm. in, in the office till eight, till nine, till whenever we needed to be. And you were right there alongside me. So having that break, making sure that you're committing to your working hours, is this something that you learned like over the last couple of years? Because yeah. rewind six years, it wasn't, that wasn't the case. I think I, I would say probably learned that towards the start of the pandemic when you know end of 2019 it's when i really started to i think okay. take care of that a little bit more i think yeah there's always gonna be circumstances i think in the workplace where working longer or you know we i i joined the company at that time because it was going through that change mm. and that for me from a career point of view excited me so i think if it's for me if it's something that is particularly exciting or you know i enjoy beyond it being for you know yeah a necessary for work then i think that the motivation is there but if it's if that becomes the i think the problem with that you can easily become the norm yeah and if you allow that to become the norm then eventually you know i saw it with kareem right as well and one of former colleagues actually did a, a podcast i think a couple of years ago on burnout mm. and he talked really openly about that in in kareem because i i got that kareem. you know it was growing 30 percent month on month it was mad it was mm. you know properly mm. insane growth at the time and it did start to burn people out and people started getting ill from it who had never i remember someone telling me like i've never had a sick day before working here but you know That's i am crazy. so i think you know for a short time people can do that but if you let that become the norm at least for me if you let that become the norm then that's i, I think that's quite damaging i think if you don't give kind of like a goal of when that period of you know hecticness is going to be a relief so you know a lot of the things we were doing at that time were launching new buildings or things like that kind of had a an end date and yeah. end goal of when that was going to hit yeah. and also then there was also you know growth plans and stuff like that so i think you know what i what, where i think it's acceptable is when you do have a plan of oh at this point it'll get better because we've got more resources or things will become less you know hectic because the workload 
will go down or whatever. Yeah. I think it, when it when companies put that expectation, that's going to be what it's like forever. Expect you know the expectation. I mean, I don't get this, but like the when people are being contacted at 10 p.m. by their manager or on a yeah, weekend yeah, no, but for, that's, for things yeah. that could wait. Yeah, I just think that's just such a, an invasion of their life, and I think those the people who would do that don't understand that 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 time should be the break mentally from work. You know, that's where you go and watch a TV show you like or listen to some music or read a book but then if you're getting this no and you know i another thing i did was turn off notifications on my phone so i actually i remember you telling me that because yeah. i never have okay i never yeah. have like in well, my you, entire I, I remember you when you're on, on maternity leave you, yeah <laughs> oh, I it's got this. true i was on maternity leave i was checking my emails i was getting my emails i was reading them like yeah. i even the ones where i don't need to read them i was reading them i don't know why i, I don't know why i operate differently i think well, but well i think that's getting in a routine of that's how you operate that's how i operate and yeah. and for me to be fair and just as a disclaimer for everyone that's listening and i'm not crazy it's just i'm not I'm, i don't like the chaos but you know it's different i also draw a line right i think everyone draws a line so my i i will read my emails but i also have like my family time that i don't compromise on so so everyone i think you're right has to kind of figure out what works for them yeah. but i do remember you telling me turn off your emails because i used to get emails and it used to, i used to get frustrated and that's the, <laughs> and that's the thing because i think particularly if you care mm. which i know you do mm. i do like we care about certain things i think if we see a communication on a certain topic that evokes any kind of emotion you're back into work mode and and, yeah. I, and I think that is you know this is why i'm quite a, an, an advocate for if eventually companies and or countries go to a four-day working week i think having a longer break mentally from work can mean you're more productive i know i am and when there are times when it's a bit more hectic and i think you know at the moment for example at work it's hectic there's a lot on i know that i can feel the difference mm. like i can feel the difference where it's like okay almost looking forward to that break you know i was just on yeah. holiday last week and and that was like i was getting to a point where I, I need this i need and and i was offline like i was not contactable mm. and that for me is really valuable yeah. and sometimes people don't probably don't think about it don't like put that into their own routine i think i need um a break i think it was a i was watching you know it's what's works for you i was watching a, a podcast about i don't know if you probably don't know this guy ronnie o'sullivan mm snooker player most people probably don't know snooker <laughs> at yeah. all in this region <laughs> but he's like he's won seven world he's like the best right but he's had mental health issues throughout his life substance abuse issues and all things like that and what worked for him was running like running was the thing he found that was able to keep him on a kind of a, an even mental keel mm. to to perform well but also just be happy in life so he found that for me running was good until i got injured i found other things now and, and it's finding yeah. those things i think and making kind of committing almost committing to those that you all right okay this time on this day i will do this activity because this will make my life better my mental yeah. health better because i know if i don't i know if i don't exercise if i get injured or something my my like mental well-being absolutely falls just, off, yeah. a, off a cliff mm. let's talk about like okay because every single person is different how people struggle with mental health is very different. There's an entire scale of what you could be challenged with, let's mm -hmm. say, and how you kind of, how you deal with it and how, what support you need. So from a corporate perspective, like from a business perspective, so many companies try and offer support for mental health, but everyone needs different kinds of support. So from your perspective, from what works for you, what do you think companies can implement to just make it a bit better? Yeah, I mean, 
it's, I mean, it starts with, I think, a normalization and an access to professional help mm. because any, anyone is susceptible to mental health issues, right? You know, because, you know, my, like, part of what I've struggled with over the years came about through losing people in my life or traumas and things like that. So, mm. like, no, I think the, the people who are, who would think themselves as the, the strongest mentally, things can happen that just, you know, the brain is a muscle. Like, the brain is a thing that yeah. if you break something in it, it can be that can be you done like you, you you've got a long way back from that and and that's where kind of professional help so i think having the availability of or funding of access to to, to psychotherapists psychologists and things like that mm. i think companies need to have that and to make it normal i think you know one of the things i think amazon does quite well when there are situations they make they highlight the access to the employee assistance program mm. and that i think is a good starting point you know because it, it make if you make it clear that as an employee first of all the company cares about you you know and that there's access to something like that i think it is it, really important mm. and then just you know having those you know those discussions around mental health you know we, we we've done things where people have shared their stories you know it, it, it's just that i think that talking about it because yeah. i by nature particularly about personal things like that and this comes again going back to kind of how you're raised and stuff like that, you know i think it's particularly coming from the uk and it's probably similar here actually particularly men aren't encouraged or haven't traditionally been encouraged to, to do these things mm. you know, there's a post-world war ii thing in the uk which is men and people in general you know it's nothing would be bad as world war ii so you know it's fine carry on you know i, I always think about the story of so there's a manchester i'm a manchester united fan and and there was a there, there was an air crash in 1958 mm. where eight of the players died and some survived and and bobby charlton who actually recently died a couple of weeks a, couple, a few weeks ago now when he would be interviewed about it even in his 70s he would you could see that as soon as that subject came up of course the trauma was there yeah and still you know he and he had that kind of survivor's guilt as well he'd always say like why did i survive when others didn't and all this stuff and i remember alex ferguson talking about it and saying in those days there was this post-war thing of just you carry on you, you, you know no matter what happens in your life you just you just carry on mm. and he obviously never dealt with that even into his later life it was still mm. there and if he thought about it every day and stuff like that so i think talking about these things helps you know if he'd had that i mean you, you don't know he probably still would have suffered from it but yeah having that i think the trauma probably never goes away but i think the way that you're able to think through it and work through it changes that's if it, you get yeah. the support that you need yeah that's it because i mean i also watched i don't know if you saw prince harry did something on on apple tv about and it showed him with his therapist about he, he would get trauma flying back to the uk because of his childhood of yes paparazzi being there you know he'd get sweats and, and, and so he had to almost reprogram his brain to and, and or how to cope with that you know if he's on a plane deep mm. breathing meditation what whatever it might be mm. so i think it's it's making people aware of those the access to help where to look for help what other people do in similar situations you know and just talking about it like i, I was surprised when i started talking to family friends and stuff like this about things i was surprised at how people go oh, yeah I, I do that or oh no i mm. that, i struggle with that mm. and then you kind of almost I, I i had it this week i mean i had a couple of days ago a friend of mine messaged me and he you know we had a friend who, who we lost back in in 2020 who committed suicide and he messaged me i think it was yesterday like saying 
I've been thinking about it and I don't think there was anything we could have done about it. Mm. And like, so clearly the trauma for him is that's constantly there because he's blamed, you know, we all do can't blame yourself for not doing more. But I think it's, you know, the only thing you can do in those things and it's kind of talk about it also have access to to the right treatment. I think for mental health, treatment's getting better. You know, the use of psychedelics coming forward, you know, in, in some countries where there's actually good evidence on, you know, people with severe depression and severe issues that is a good way of treating it that works long term mm-hmm. which I think is really important so yeah. I, I think it's moving in the right direction I think co- companies are moving in the right, right direction but if companies are ignoring it yeah or not wanting to talk about it or, or don't know of, how to sometimes they don't know i i think especially here particularly this region i think there's a lack of understanding first of all maybe not awareness like people are aware but i think they don't understand and they don't understand the variety of different mental health struggles i I, and i I think there's there's a fear of knowing what to say or what not or or what not say that's the thing i I, i've been in a situation right where someone has contacted me and said i'm suicidal right i've been in that situation what do you say? Yeah. If your if your colleague, your direct report mm. came that and you know people probably are like because you don't want to say something that makes it worse. That's the first thing that I think that comes yeah. comes to your mind is oh I better be on yeah. eggshells. Or here, the other way around. Like I hate to say this, but if somebody says that to you and mm. you want to support them, so yeah. you start talking about it. I'm also in a way scared that like if I talk about it too much, will it encourage them to continue talking about it and want to feel that way? Not that it's helping them to well, speak about it. I, you know, well, that's a di- and that's difficult. Because you, and this is where I think finding experts on the topic. Finding, you know, I did a, I, I did a lot of this over the years, watching YouTube videos of people talking about how you know how to deal with people in this situation. Yeah. Every situation is slightly different, but there are some similarities. And I don't know, you know, if companies in particular talk to people managers enough about about these things, but also like mental health first aiders, mm. you know, is that a thing? Is that really there pre- prevalent enough? You know, I'm a first aider at, at work, like first aid, so I can get, do CPR, but if if someone had- But mental health, yeah. Yeah, we don't train people on, on, on that side, which I think is a gap. Mm. So, you know, it is a very difficult one. Is that, sorry, I'm gonna take it, is that a thing? I didn't, I've never heard well, of that mental before. Mental health first aid. Yeah. yeah, yeah is it, it is. a thing? Yeah, I have never spot, heard of yeah, that. Yeah, um, what's the clinic called in in Jamira the clinic in Jamira and, and they do problem is it costs a couple like a couple of thousand dirhams and but they come and they do the training you, for, you, for you go and do it no you go and do it on personal level like oh, per you, person oh. it's like two thousand dirhams wow. something like that and, can and, you try and can you send me the name when you think oh, of it lighthouse lighthouse oh lighthouse lighthouse okay. arabia do it okay um so you know they do this so it is about spotting mm. i think is is one thing which is actually really difficult because mm. actually people who are struggling actually sometimes particularly if they're suicidal quite often go the other way in that they seem great yeah you know that they seem in really good spirits particularly if they've made their mind up on what they're going to do right so they actually could be in better mm. spirits than before so being able to spot those changes and, and what that is really difficult yeah. and then how to have those conversations so and particularly i think in a family setting, you might feel more comfortable doing it. In a work setting, mm. quite often, you know, we there's been various things that happen at, to people either on an individual level or a company level at work. And I'm very deliberate with not just because you know, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get brownie points or anything, but I'm just trying to you know make sure people are okay. It's just going, how are you doing? Mm. You know, and even if they say, oh, I'm fine, I go no, but generally, how are you doing? Mm. How do you feel? Like because in certain situations, you know, they're mm. not any, and you know, I've done that with people I work with in the same team. 
team. I've done that with my, my manager. You've done that with me, actually. And now that I think about it, like when, if we're catching up about something, I'm on the phone with you. You do tend to ask, how do you feel? Which I've never picked up on before. Yeah, no, it's a thing that I'm, I'm very like genuine with because it's something that I think people, sometimes people as well, they, they don't, until someone asks them, they probably don't think about yeah, well, yeah. You know, how am I feeling? How is this this situation affecting me? How mm. is How am I feeling at work? Like, am I, yeah. do I need to take a break or? So actually, okay, I'm, I want to ask you something. So it might, we might dive a little bit deeper into something that may or may not make you feel comfortable. So if you're not comfortable with it, and I will say this disclaimer, I will cut it out of the podcast. But if you are comfortable, please go ahead and share. You mentioned obviously that you, you had a friend who committed suicide, I think you said in 2019, which really impacted you, of course. How did it impact your career? Like, how did it impact? Did, do you feel like it had an impact on your day to day at work? It definitely did. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, so the kind of the background is a really horrible chain of events because his sister died, was run over by a car in 2016. So just before I was joining Kareem. So I didn't go to the funeral because I was joining Kareem, which I look back and think, what the hell was I doing? But, you know, it was what it was. And I was friends with his sister. Like We were friends as well. And then he first attempted to commit suicide end of 20... Oh, probably it was end of 2016. So a few months later, didn't succeed. And I was in the UK at the time. So I was visiting him. And this is why I've got the first-hand experience of like... The, so you knew about that attempt? Yeah, I was there. I was there. I, I, okay. I weirdly... It's weird, weird, weirdest thing. Like we were out looking for him. Mm. And I just went to the biggest tower in Manchester. And he, and he was there. And the ambulance was there then. I don't know how I could, it just you know oh, wow. just like came to me. So I was there throughout the the first few weeks of the re- rehabilitation, and uh, you know that the, like I said, the UK health system, the facilities for people with severe you know depression. Mm-hmm. It's you know you're mixed with people who are you know who have schizophrenia who you know you know have got things where they're like banging their heads against the wall and stuff like that. So it's this real bad for someone with depression. That is a horrific environment to be in because yeah. it's not making you better. Mm. And you've got someone you know you're sleeping with the door open with the light on and all this stuff because someone's watching to see if you're going to commit to try and commit suicide again. Like just not not an environment to to make you feel better. So that even at that point that really affected me because it was a you know, a horrific scene sure. <laughs> to see. Yeah. And what had ha- already happened. So like. I, I just didn't even acknowledge that was something that should have an effect on me because you always I think compare yourself as well say well I'm not the person who tried to commit suicide or I'm not the person who's lost a sister you know it's just a friend you know so mm. you always downplay your own you know your own emotions you kind of shove kind of it thing. down yeah, yeah you go, well it could always be worse yeah or I could always be which is you know obviously it's always could be worse but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't confront what's it so sure. so the, you know there was you know there was two year two three years there of you know being friends with someone this guy you know was one of my closest friends like one of my two or three closest friends and i had two or three years of getting messages from his parents saying oh he's doing this or he's no he's can you message him because he's not feeling you know and all this so you you had all that and then obviously the culmination of him actually yeah so it's really it's a really long timeline of this yeah and kind of i never throughout that whole period i never sought help i never like discussed it too much or anything like that so it was a kind of you know you just ignore it just you know carry on and then when he i was funny enough i was talking to another colleague about it this morning about you know the day after his funeral i went to work and i was there on the in, in so i went to the office in manchester don't know why i went into the office i think probably just thought that was probably better for me but i'm on the tram going into manchester i'm you know tearing up on the tram mm. you know, i've just been to you know just spoke at my friend's funeral 24 hours before and then i'm going to work because i'm thinking oh you know i don't want to you know you know we, we're, maybe we're busy we need to keep going and maybe it was a 
subconscious choice, like maybe in your mind that you told yourself, if I move past it, if I just put myself somewhere else, that yeah, I can that just could, could have been part of it. But I think the bigger part was actually just thinking, oh, don't want to take too many too much time off work. Well, you know, and and that's you know that, that's part on on myself. Could mm. have been part of the you know the culture at the time. Mm. But you know that is not a you're not dealing with it. Then you're not dealing with you're not starting to even deal with what just happened. Yeah, you know, I saw on the morning of of the funeral, I saw my friend's dead body. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm. and you, then next day you're at work you think you know that how's that how can your brain adapt to that or even process that yeah it's, impo- it's impossible yeah like, it's really impossible so yeah so like i think people put the pressure on themselves i think probably the same with people who you know with women who give birth right mm. it, i think you, you kind of pressure yourself oh i don't want to miss out on too much because there is that right? i think if you're taking maternity when you take maternity yeah. leave, you're probably putting pressure on yourself to or, or worried about what's my situation going to be like when, when i get I back. back in 100%. So, so, yeah. it's, so it's, a, it's a similar mm. thing. And, and I think sometimes you don't give yourself time to, to grieve or whatever. So... I, I probably had up until so that so that happened in in February 20, 2020. Then obviously we had COVID as well, which I think was you know then we're thrown into COVID straight away, which right. is a, a mental yeah drain as well. So like it, it was all that, but I just didn't I didn't process it. I, I was having nightmares, dreams, and all these things about him and and stuff. And and you're working the entire time, working the whole time. Okay, I didn't start getting help until twenty twenty one. Okay, twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. And by then, the thing is, well, you kind of talk yourself out going, oh, I'm coping with it now. I'm better now. Because I had kind of processed it a little bit more. But well, can I ask, so did you, yeah. because you threw yourself back into work, did you feel like you you were that much more efficient at work because you didn't want to focus oh, no, on anything else? Or did you feel like it was the reverse effect? No, reverse, I'd say. Because I think if, you, if, you've got, if you've got something lingering in the back of your mind, you're not, you, no matter what, you, it's, it's there. Yeah. So it's, you're not able to fully concentrate on something else. Particularly, if, you know, if you've got ADHD as well, you're probably flitting between thoughts of this and thoughts of that. So, you know, and again, again it comes back to a point of thinking, I used to think I was probably quite mentally strong. Not that it's a necessarily a weakness, but you kind of, that's how things are termed. You go, oh, this person's mentally strong or whatever. Okay. And actually everyone is susceptible to to, to things happening that affect it. So hmm. so that is going to affect you at, at work. And, you know, I think I moved roles as well in, you know, a few months later. And I definitely had, and my, my manager would say the same, like my first six months were quite tough. Hmm. Like I didn't adapt as quickly as I thought I would. And I think that was a part of it. You know, that was a part of it because I was kind of trying to distract myself but not distracting myself and mm. not sleeping properly and because that's a big one you know being that's the thing i do now where i, f- I feel like sometimes god i'm really acting my age here where i'm going to bed early at, you know and <laughs> at, at half eight some nights and stuff like that but you know sleep is a big one for my mind if i don't sleep a lot if i don't sleep enough I, that has a big impact on, on my mental health so like the doing you know having a six to nine month period of not sleeping great not moving roles and it not feeling like it's clicking yet which mm. then you put pressure on yourself for that as well like it's just a, a cycle just, yeah. and, and if you're not talking about it or seeking support on from a professional then you could easily just keep in that you know cycle yeah. come out of it if you're not you know deliberate in taking that step back and going yeah that's what i need to do to make it better so first of all thank you because that i think that's hard sometimes to like self-reflect yeah but i, th- 
think I think it's I think it's good for people to hear to at the hear same it. time because yeah. I know I know it helped me. You know, I watched I went to appear to watch a lot of videos about um, family and friends of people who've lost people through through suicide because suicide in particular, you know, it's a it's one of those where you're always going to blame yourself. You're always going to think about what I what I could have done differently. You're going to play scenarios in your head. You're going to look back through WhatsApps and go, oh, if I said that there, if I said that there, like oh, yeah. you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself, particularly if it's someone who's close to you and you think that you could have had an influence when at the end of the day most of the time you couldn't yeah it's a disease it's like a terminal illness yeah. really if you've got and, and you know this friend had very severe he'd go through months of being in bed like it was severe and so there's nothing you could do so mm. like i think hearing about it from other point of views and also you know looking at what different treatments are available now i think it's, mm. it's that's the only thing that I, i've gone past that point of, of of regret or blaming myself or anything like that the only thing and i think it's probably the same with any illness you probably look back and think oh if the treatment that's available now is available then yeah. things might have been different but it wasn't so it is what it, it is uh, the person needs to want it right they need to want the treatment so it, needs, I think it also that's... needs to it, it needs to be effective like yeah you know, in you know the, the care system as i said in the uk is not good enough and it's getting worse you know the nhs is, is vastly underfunded medication only goes so far yeah you know, it, it, it only goes so far when people are when you know severe depression or you know have gone through severe trauma there needs to be that way of kind of resetting the the brain almost and that's mm. where these psychedelic use of is it, I don't know if it's LSD or whatever they mm. use, but you can do it in Amsterdam, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> That's a method that actually seems to be the data around it and, and the, the, the testimonies around it actually seem to, to work. So hopefully things like that yeah. become more more available. Okay, so first of all, I'm glad that you have... I'm glad you got to a point where you kind of like recognize that you know what you were doing wasn't supporting you in the right mm. way. So, and for sharing it, obviously, with me and with everybody that's going to be listening to this, I know that's hard. I usually wrap up my podcast with a question. And typically, I'm talking to people about, you know, their professional experiences and something that they're doing to, like, climb the corporate ladder or whatever. But today is very much your personal experience. So I usually ask the question, what would your advice be for people just starting off in TA, because that is your field? So, you know, people that are fresh into the industry. And then also, what would your advice be for seasoned talent acquisition professionals but today's question i would like to ask you what would your advice be and you kind of touched on this a bit earlier for people that feel it's a bit too much like maybe they're not maybe they you know they it's not like you've been diagnosed with adhd and you're very aware of like your mental health and but some people aren't right mm -hmm. so for those that are just feeling like it's a bit much yeah well i think i, I but i think to, to your point around like starting out in a career versus being yeah. seasoned like it's the same thing like everyone could be overwhelmed everyone can be things can get too much for them mm. but also things work related activities or whatever can be affected by what your predisposition is or what you're feeling or what's going on in your, in your personal life so i think regardless of the stage of, of, of your career i think first of all being able to admit you're struggling mm. at times is a real big one and that can you know that might be difficult and it might it you know if you're struggling if you want if you know i'm in a position where I, I can say that to my manager and say look i'm not having a good day here that might not be the case for everyone they might not have someone who's understanding or... but you had to get her to the point where she understood right so did you like have a sit down with her did you no, i don't think so i think she's she's understanding of it like i think she's you know well versed in in, in like what... she's tuned she's tuned into it so it's not you I haven't had so. to i haven't had to educate her right okay um, 
I think others probably would have to. And yeah. that's where there probably would be that challenge. But I would always say it's worth trying. Mm. And then, you know, being able to admit you're struggling and that you need support. Because I think that's one of the things for, for me that definitely from a, a, a work-related mental health thing didn't help me is I, I think I, and this was from a culture probably particularly earlier in my career, where you felt like it was not, you couldn't say I'm struggling or couldn't say I need support. I need extra help. This is too much for me. This is too much of a workload. Mm. You know, that isn't in necessarily in my nature. And I think some people isn't as well, particularly I think probably in this region where you don't want to admit failure. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. It's a big thing in this region. We find, we find that, you know, we're as a company, one that is okay with failure. I think a lot of companies aren't. And sometimes some people see themselves as struggling work, workload wise or whatever, or, or mental health wise with, is failure because some it's true because some people think if i'm being asked to do this it's because my role should be able to do it exactly so if i'm not able to do it i can't handle this workload because i'm not i'm something's wrong like i'm doing it wrong yeah so so exactly so so being able to kind of have that open conversation say this is you know i'm struggling with this i think is really helpful and then if there are and you know i i think like if you've got access to going and seeing someone professionally no matter what you're feeling it's almost like preventive maintenance right you, you know mm. you, 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 I, you know my house i've got a, a company who you know for if things go wrong if the plumbing goes wrong or whatever but they come and do preventive maintenance because mm. they don't want to wait until it gets it completely so bad yeah that it costs a fortune or it's harder to come back from so i think i will always say like to anyone like if they have that option available or if they have people they can talk to like do it before things get so bad because i i definitely got to a point where you know i think the, the point that i started going to a a, a therapist over here and over here was because it had got bad you know it, it got to a mm. point where it was almost like right uh, oh you know it's a, not the last straw but i was like i need something now if i'd kind of done that earlier then i probably would have been able to cope with those situations that came up better not mm. perfectly i still would have probably needed extra support but like you're at least a little bit better prepared for it so i think that's the the, the big one for and, and when you're starting out on your career starting out your career to even being more more seasoned i think you you know you being able to manage your yourself and and knowing what works for you what keeps mm. you in a good place and doing it is super important because i think with me now i know the things that when they and i see it when certain things that keep me in a good place drop out of my life Mm. I feel it. You know, I feel a, a definite change. Like I say, exercise for me is probably a big one. If I haven't exercised for a few days, I was ill well, for a couple of weeks and couldn't exercise a few weeks ago. And two weeks not exercising for me is just like, woof. Yeah, you know, this is not worth it. So I think yeah. knowing what works for you, keeping it up, good routines and all that, I think is really helpful. Yeah. And try and get this, like you said, try and get the support where you can. Like I was, while you were speaking, I was actually thinking about my own uh, situation. And this, you know, I, I was on maternity leave w- for the second time. Mm-hmm. And that change from uh, a mother of one to a mother of two is a huge shift. Yeah. Okay. So I was struggling to juggle. I was struggling yeah. to juggle and I was on maternity leave. But as you said, I have a trouble. I have, I have trouble disconnecting so I was keeping up with what was going on at work and there was a lot happening at work that wasn't working in my favor okay and then I had you know this new phase of my life where I was trying to juggle being a mom of two and it was just it was too much it was too much and I you know I think the lack of sleep and the whatever that I was going through made me more snappy than I would usually be I'm short-tempered anyway by fault by nature I'm short-tempered but I was snappy and it was translating to my conversations with people outside of my home, mm-hmm. which 
is never good, right? So I could have gone and gotten help, sat with somebody and spoken to somebody professional because you should always go to a professional first. But I sat with my best friend in the entire world, shout out to Selma. <laughs> I sat with Selma and Selma just very, like she spoke to me from one mom to another and she was like, look, you're tired. Like <laughs> you're tired. And she just made me understand for a second that yeah. it's normal and that other people feel it and that I'm not the only one that's no, struggling I with mean, it. I mean, the pressure put on mums is ridiculous. I think, yeah. I, I think you know, this going back to social media, this is where I think social media does a real bad. Like I saw a, a, yeah. a social media person over here who portrays himself as his mother doing literally everything. I saw them in a hotel and, you know, the, the two nannies were there doing all the work with the kid while they were off having fun. And then when it's time for Instagram, mm. oh, it's me, look at all the great mum. I think things like that is because it is hard. You know, you've got, you've been through a physical yeah, yeah. and emotional yeah. hormone, all these changes. Yeah. And it's, and, and I feel a lot for mothers because it's, the, the support isn't, I think there is as, as much giving yourself that break from it. I think it's, you know, it's difficult. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, I think we've got examples of, of people that I, I always think of, of, and my, my, luckily I think my brother's a little bit like this, him and, and, and his girlfriend got a two year old. They're quite good at, you know, taking a bit of a, a break, a, a break from it, yeah. but also not letting it completely overrun the lives. But yeah, cause I, I always think like when I first moved out here, like the, the nanny culture or the, the maid culture in the UK is, is usually reserved for like the very wealthy or something. Right. right. So it's not something I was used to. So I kind of was a bit snooty about when I first moved out here now I'm completely opposite I'm thinking if you can afford to get support mm. and it's related to being a mother mental yeah. health like if you can afford and can get do access it. to support that will help yeah. you make you ease your life and your mental well-being do it yeah. no matter what it is like yeah. well, as long as Just it's not harming it. anyone but yeah. so that would always <laughs> yeah. be what I'd, I'd, I encourage people it's like mm. you know get help if you can mm. thank you so much Ryan anytime yeah really thank you so much and for those of you that are listening you don't know but actually this is the second time that Ryan's been on the podcast he was the first person i ever recorded an episode with and it was such a disaster <laughs> was, i was the guinea pig it was yeah you were the guinea pig and i thank you so much for that honestly like you were the first one that was like yeah why not great idea he was the guinea pig and it was such a bad recording like i had to do it on my phone it was awful <laughs> anyway so we never used it so this is your first official time and i thank you so much because it's such an important topic it's good on you for covering it as well because okay. it's a topic i think that a lot will veer away from or just try and do something on you know being resilient being, yeah yeah you know, it's always like the the, <laughs> yeah. the the positive you know mental strength side of thing rather mm. than going no, no we can be vulnerable so yeah it's good it's yeah. good on you to, to, to cover thank it. you i appreciate that for everyone who's listening in please like share subscribe subscribe to culture a okay um and send us your feedback i love to get feedback do you like it do you hate it do you want to hear more of something please let me know and stay tuned for the next episode thank you so much ryan anytime sarah all right bye 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 <laughs>